Welcome. Hi, I'm Katie Morrell. I'm a creative and writer based in Bend, Oregon. And I'm Karen Hawkins. I am the founder of Rebellious Magazine for Women and co-publisher and co-editor-in-chief of the Chicago Reader. You are listening to Of Course I'm Not Okay, the podcast. Join us as we talk about mental health, coping with quarantine, and creativity. For some of our episodes, we'll talk with writers, creatives, and activists to get their take. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Hello, Karen. I'm so happy to see you. Yay, Katie. It's so good to see you. I'm so excited about today. Like I, I mean, to hop straight in, we have an incredible guest who we met while I was doing the body acceptance um, column for Rebellious years ago. Her name is Dr. Renee Engelm. She is a professor of psychology at Northwestern University. And back when I was doing these articles about body acceptance, I was so, um, I was so like fascinated by so many activists and I really was excited about her because right when I was writing these, um, these, uh, columns, she came out with a book called beauty sick and, oh my gosh, we ended up having her on our live events back in 2017. And she's just so incredible. She directs this thing called the body and media lab or BAM lab, um, at Northwestern and she's a riot. She really is right. She's such a blast. And I mean, if you hear that listeners, if you think like, oh God, you're talking to a body image researcher who wrote a book called Beauty Sick. Don't be fooled that she is a stuffy person by any means. Like we were belly laughing during this interview with her. She's freaking hilarious. She is so funny. Like it was just, it was awesome. Like I had so much fun talking to her and seeing her on Zoom and like talking about all the things, including our genes preferences, which I wasn't really expecting to have a conversation about, but yep. it was a hotly debated topic. And I really appreciate that. And it was just, it was so much fun to talk to her. But before we get into that, I'm trying to think what, what this week was an adventure, Karen. I don't even think Ooh. I texted you about this. So I, the week, last weekend after we recorded, I kind of hit a wall and I was like, I need to get out of my house. And so I booked an Airbnb in Portland for four days. No way. Yeah. Totally. Oh my God. I love it. I mean, it's three hours for me. It's basically the nearest city where, you know, I could go and get an Airbnb and like socially distance and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And Tyler was thankfully super supportive as well. And the whole thing, I was like, I'm not, I was, I thought I was going to bring Lucy. And then I was like, eh, no, I really want to be super free. Mm. And I really like going on solo trips. Like that's my thing is like before COVID, I always would, I spend a lot of time alone and we both go on vacations to get, or alone anyway. So I get to Portland and I just have a massive anxiety attack. Oh no. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I was like, I don't know what it was. And I mean, I even feel bad talking to you about it because you're in an urban center, but I think that's what it was, was like Mm. Bend is such a small town, really. It's a small town. And yes, you can tell COVID is here. And like, that's obviously we're not immune to anything. Um, But I had not been around that much density, like population density in five months. And it's like, somehow I was like insulated from it or something. I don't even know how to describe it. And not to be a total Debbie Downer, but like, it hit me like a ton of bricks and it was like, Mm. holy shit. Like I've been to Portland many, many times and I love Portland and I love the art and I love the vibrancy and I love so many things about that city. It's such a cool place. And when I went, it's not that I like, I don't think I expected it to be normal, of course, whatever that means, but it was like, holy shit. I mean, yes, I'm not saying that, you know, it's decimated and people should, people should still go to Portland. I'm not bashing Portland, but holy shit. Like, it was just like, oh my God, like all the shuttered places and there was no one on the streets and like that kind of stuff was just a little bit unnerving. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Did you get out? So was it like, it doesn't sound like it was the restorative kind of getaway that you were. Okay. (laughs) So I actually laid in bed and I was like, should I just go home? And then I was like, this is ridiculous. And of course I had shame over the fact that I have so much privilege that I even was able to go away. And like all of these things are cycling through my head, which is super fun anyway. And then I wake up the next day and I was like, I feel marginally better. So I, I like, I did it. Like I, you know, I worked from this Airbnb. The best Mm. thing was that I did see a, a few friends for an outdoor socially distanced dinner one night, which was really great. 
so it wasn't like a loss or anything it was just interesting it was more of like it was just like a reality I'd say it reality yeah. check of like what life is like it was like I think I was trying to get away from like the COVID reality of my life at my house and then I went there and I was like <gasps> okay this is a totally different reality like it's just it's just different and I feel like um I miss the days where we could travel and go fun places and I think I'm just gonna stick at home until I'm vaccinated or whenever that is but that was my week how about you wow I I feel like what it reminds me of, honestly, well, and I'm so sorry you had like a bad time. Um, what it reminds me of is like, really, maybe the first few times I went out during this and saw people in masks. Like when I was living in downtown Chicago, I experienced exactly what you're describing. Everybody's really? in masks. Oh yeah. No one's out on the street. I mean, downtown Chicago is like vibrant all the time. And to just... I mean, I would was describing it. I think I wrote about this actually for the reader that it felt like the zombie apocalypse. Yes. Like really like in a city of 2.7 million people to be in the center of the city and to not see a soul and the souls you do see are all wearing masks and look freaked out. Like, yeah, I, I get why that was jarring. I, yes. I, I still sometimes feel like if I'm around a lot of people, that's the other thing is like, so being on the street with no one is jarring, but also being in stores with a lot of people is jarring. Yes. It's all weird now. It's totally weird. And thank you for that reflection because that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, it was like, I do, I feel like I'm in a zombie apocalypse. Like I was walking down the, the main, like downtown corridor in Portland yesterday. And I was like, where are the humans? Like, is this like, was there a bomb that went off? And like, the answer is kind of yes, but like, yes. I'm totally with you and I know I don't want you to experience that but it kind of helps to know that I'm not the only one. Oh yeah. Oof. No, I definitely I definitely have that and I just saw a story a headline I did not click on about like how how will we all recover from our agoraphobia after this? Like <laughs> I don't want I don't I don't want to know. It's agoraphobia fear of crowds or fear of the outside. I think it's fear of outside. I think outside. it's real. That's yeah. what it is. Yes. Oh, well, the fear of crowds also like, I know, I know. Last night I was talking to Tyler about, we have Eagles tickets, like that we, like the old seventies band, which I absolutely love. And they, right. I had purchased tickets, like good seats at this um, place called the Chase Center in San Francisco, which is this like state of the art place where the Warriors play. Who knows if it's ever going to be used again. But anyway, um, the tickets were for last October. So October of 2020. Mm -hmm. And I contacted Ticketmaster. And of course, it's not happening. And so they're like, oh, well, we're not going to refund you because we have it for October of 2021. And I was like, really? <gasps> I'm like, seriously? Like, that's like a $300 pair of ticket. Like, it was like expensive. Wow. And um, so then I was talking to him last night and I was like, are we going to? The, like I mean the answer is no like even if they don't even if they somehow have the concert and then we have to just sell it on StubHub or something like that's what's I'm not going to go into a big crowd but in October of this year like what absolutely not <laughs> no an arena show in, in 2021 right 35,000 people seriously uh, is the number that they could fit in there I'm pretty sure yeah, I, I just saw a headline today that our arena, the United Center, is being used for mass vaccinations. So I'm going to oh, go ahead yeah. and opt out of being eight months later going there for a show. Yeah, that's just, about right. Oh, I love that they're using it for mass vaccina vaccinations. Yeah, oh, that gives me so there. much faith in humanity and Biden. Right, it's something like 6,000. Oh, flopsy. Your cat behind <laughs> you is making a very artistic appearance on the couch. That's so amazing. <laughs> She's no shame. She also makes a cameo if that part, if you keep that part, Katie, she also makes a cameo in the episode. Renee is making this like beautiful point and Flapsy just jumped onto my keyboard. Totally. Totally. Oh my God. She's such a model. Okay. Speaking of vaccinations, I do have a question for you. What do you think about this new Johnson and Johnson vaccination that's supposed to get like some emergency use? It's only 65% effective against like the most extreme I mean Fauci's still saying like do it it's great and it's only a one dose but like I know I'd rather have the 95 percent and I'd rather have the single dose <laughs> yeah that's right yes both are true so yeah I, I it bothers me I will admit it bothers me 
that we have to get two doses. Yeah. So that's fair. That's and, and I people usually it. get like really sick after the second dose or some people <sighs> do. I've heard. Yeah. I have heard that like very sore arms. I've had, you know, I've heard like a, a gamut, all people, the same age, like either felt fine after both of them got really sick after the first one had a super sore arm, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But did you have a pretty good week or you, you said it's sunny in Chicago right now. It is very, very sunny in Chicago right now. And it is in the forties, which of course means was it Kate? Somebody um, in, on my Twitter, it was not Kate Silver. Hi, Kate Silver. Somebody on my Twitter feed went for a walk on the lakefront and counted the dudes in shorts and it was eight. <laughs> 40 degrees in Chicago. Yeah, no, it's time to start stripping in the streets. Like we just, <laughs> we lose our minds. Oh my gosh, that's so great. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sometimes when I see that, I'm like, aren't you getting frostbite? But maybe it's worth it. I don't know. I don't, uh... I don't know. I still was bundled up even at 40 degrees. I just don't trust the weather. Yeah. I know. I think I just, my, my blood runs cold. I'm like, I wear, you know, like multiple layers to bed and like my temp thermometer is like above 70. Like it's like, you know, yeah. I I was meant to live in Hawaii or Fiji. Right. Yes. See, those are good options. Cause I, I have a friend who lives in Arizona and, you know, we talk about like retirement states and it's like our options in the U.S. Not great. Like she lives in Arizona, loves it, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, no hate on Arizona, but the 120 degree August, I'm, I'm out for that. No. And she has kids. They're bigger now. But when her kids were babies, she found a scorpion in one of their diapers. Oh, sh- while the diaper? Yes. While the child was wearing the diaper. No, absolutely not. No, no, no. Oh. No, 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 thank you. No, God, so, that's terrifying. Yeah. Wow. Well, on the scorpion um, topic, it's a perfect segue into our interview with Renee. <laughs> but really, though, warm weather sounds amazing. Um, but yeah, I just, I loved this interview. I thought it was so much fun. I'm so glad that she gave us her time and she was willing to chat about all things because I feel like it was a wide ranging conversation that I think is actually going to help a lot of people. Like if you listeners are feeling disconnected with your bodies, if you're feeling, you know, any sort of way about your body or ever have, which is, I'm not sure how anyone doesn't fit into that category, male or female. I feel like this conversation could really help. I think it will help. And I will say male, female, however you identify, it will be helpful to you. And I think we, one of the reasons we reached out to her, you know, A, she's hilarious and B, like body image is something we're always obsessed with, but especially now as we're not getting dressed up, we're not grooming in the same way. The jokes about the COVID-19 and the 19 stands for pounds is a thing. So we just wanted to talk to somebody who actually researches these things and is incredibly thoughtful and funny about them to talk about it. Yeah, it was awesome. You're so right. I loved it. Enjoy Renee. Renee, thank you so much for joining us. It's wonderful to see you. I am so excited to see two faces I haven't seen in a while, even if you're only on Zoom. It it feels like we're together a little. I'm so happy. It does. I mean, and we got to say Zoom is how we're getting this band back together. Like, we'll take it. Right. You're sitting in front of a beautiful sunny window. We're Mm -hmm. all happy to see each other. Let's Let's embrace Zoom, I guess, right now. Yes. And I I mean, I'm happy to see you. I took a shower. What? But I am still wearing my pajamas. So <laughs> that sort of shows you where you, where you fit. It shows, <laughs> well, you how, shows you how loved you are. <laughs> I think if we were meeting in person, I would be wearing jeans and I'm wearing yoga pants. So there are good things that are happening, which are <laughs> I, jeans? Comfy. I know, right? Jeans. I don't Ooh. do that anymore. <laughs> no. Yeah. no, I'm actually... I, the last time I was in like a Marshalls or something, probably to get masks, the jeggings started to seem like a good idea. Like those, like, oh my God, what are they called? They're like jeans, but they're leggings. Yeah. Jeggings. I mean, I see how people get there. 
Right. Now that I've spent a year in sweatpants, I don't know that I'm going back. Yes. I know they're called pajama jeans. You guys, they're called oh. pajama jeans. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So I went to a jean store this week, which I know is sacrilege. That's but crazy. So weird <laughs> because none of my jeans fit. And so I was like, I want new jeans. Mm-hmm. And so I bought two pairs of high-waisted jeans and I had a whole conversation with the salesperson about how mid-rise or like low-rise jeans are crimes against humanity, which I know is like really insensitive to say, but she was like, oh, hundred percent. And I was like, I'm never going to, I mean, mine are like full-on mom jeans and even men. I'm not sure if I made the right choice to buy them. I, hope I don't happens. know. I gotta say, I, I don't, how is this rude? How old are you? I'm 39. <laughs> okay. You're too young to appreciate low rise jeans is the problem because <laughs> I'm 45 and me too. Yes. 45 is good. So maybe you're with me on this, Karen. I, I like a low rise jean still. I think you can manage the ass crack issue. I understand that's an issue. I don't want anyone seeing that, but I don't like something all up, all around my waist. Every time I bend over, like make it, no, I, this high-waisted thing, I'm, I'm waiting for it all to be over or else I'm just sticking with sweatpants. Maybe it's like a Gen X versus Gen, I Gen, think what am it. I, millennial? Cause I'm like, I'm 1981. So I'm like, depending on what scale you look at, I'm either Gen X or millennial, but I think I might be more millennial when it comes to jeans. I look at these high-waisted jeans and they look like something embarrassing I did in junior high. Like I just, I can't. And, but I also understand that low rise jeans look to young people like early Britney Spears. And that is also true. Karen, if you're my age, where do you stand? You, you have to settle this. I, I mean, I feel like I'm going to, I'm coming in right in the middle at mid rise. Just not taking a position. That's exactly <laughs> right. Like that's weak. <laughs> because I mean, Renee, I am with you on the junior high era. Like, mm-hmm. God, what was even the guest G- $50 guest Z Cavaricci. Cavaricci. Oh, yes. oh my God. <laughs> yes. And you'd have a belt. And like the pants were so high, they folded over the belt. Right. Like that was the fashion. If, if you yeah. were super cool, you had two belts. Okay. <laughs> right. Do you remember? See, Katie, you were too young. I don't right. think you can remember the time of two belts. Yeah. Oh, I think I, I was, can't I, even, I, yeah. I'm not even going to wear one belt today. I can't imagine a version of my life when I wore <laughs> no. two, but I guess that happened. Oh my gosh. Okay. This actually dovetails into our combo <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> because okay so we're talking about bodies already which I love and Renee you are like one of the world's experts on this but I think one thing that like one of the reasons why I was so excited that Karen came up with the idea to bring you on um was just like this pandemic honestly is I'll just explain my experience so I got a a text message from a friend maybe I don't know two weeks into the pandemic now maybe it was like a month And her text message was, I am so happy. I've lost 15 pounds in four weeks. I have been, you know, like I, I I don't snack anymore because I'm working from home. I'm doing, you know, like I'm running around with my kids more often and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I mean, I, I, my, my text back, I really paused. I was like, oh, okay, well I'm eating three bars of chocolate in a two day period, but you know, like I, but it really like affected me. And that those messages were so common, I feel like in the first three or four months of the pandemic. And I guess I just wonder from you as a researcher, what are you seeing right now? Like, what Mm -hmm. are you seeing? Like, what have been the patterns that you've been catching on with? And like, how are people, women, people who identify as women really in particular experiencing their bodies during this time? Like, how has that changed from before since you've been doing this research for so long? Oh, it's not good. Um, some of the, the science, it's, it's been so impressive how quickly it's, it's come out. Um, part of what's been happening is there have been a number of longitudinal studies that have been looking at eating disorders and body image in women. And this is not just in the U.S. Um, one of the biggest groups looking at this is actually in Italy. Um, and so they got some very early data on what was happening with respect to the the influence of the pandemic um, on these kinds of struggles. And it's really bad. Um, For one thing, a lot of people who are actually struggling with eating disorders lost the ability to um, get mental health care. 
Um, or maybe they moved from, you know, an in-person kind of care to doing telemedicine or whatever you call it. Um, but you've also got stress, right? Which affects our eating habits immensely um, and clearly in different ways as, as is obvious from your, your friend's text, right? She's saying, yay, I lost weight. Um, whereas you've got the rest of the world making memes about the pandemic 15 or the pandemic 20 or the, yes. you know, whatever you want to call it. And you've got, I think just a lot of mainstream media articles making the whole thing worse by putting out headlines, like how not to gain weight during the pandemic. It's not my first concern, right? When your world starts crumbling down around you um, and it's not just the pandemic, right? We've had a few other things going on in the last, you know, year plus, um, when your world is being shaken like that and you have people saying, make sure you dedicate some of your brain space to dieting, right? Um, that really makes me question not just our priorities in this culture, but also how we think about health, right? How we think about health if we think, oh, awesome, you lost 20 pounds by freaking out every day. <laughs> That's, that doesn't sound good to me. That doesn't sound like health. Um, and it also says a lot about our fat phobia in this culture and our sort of anti-fat bias we have. Like we're, we're basically talking about real people and their bodies as the worst case scenario, right? Imagine what that feels like when you are fat and you see a headline that's like, here's everything you can do to not get fat during COVID because God forbid anyone turn into you. Right. That's, I think a lot of this is horribly destructive, right? It really is. There has to be a kinder way to live in and with our bodies. Um, and I think shoving quick fixes and diet culture sound bites down women's throats in particular um, is, is disgusting. It's disgusting. It's unhelpful. It's unnecessary. I would like to rant for a very long time, but my understanding is that on podcasts, um, other people also talk. So I will stop there. <laughs> I mean, we're not a traditional podcast, Renee. If you just want to go, Katie and I, we can go make lunch. <laughs> we'll come back. We'll just let you. <laughs> Sometimes this happens. You know, people ask me a question and instead of giving an answer, I realized I gave like an hour lecture. Um, and then I say, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> You're great. Sorry, lecture is my default mode, but I'll, I'll rein it in a little. We appreciate you so much. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to rein you in. Really, this is not this is not the group of people that's going to be like we're enablers. Renee is what you need to know. Awesome, awesome. Because I've brought all my worst habits. So let's let's do this. Safe space. Let's do this all together. Um. So. So we talked about, right, oh God, all of the horrible messages we get, like, and, and I love this, you know, when we met the first time, oh my, oh my God, that was almost, that was three, over three years ago, by no. the way. Oh my God. I know. I liked um, low rise jeans then. I like low rise <laughs> jeans now. I just want to put that out there. Nothing about the 2016 election changed your pants preference. No, you're just like, you're still there. Um, whew, okay. My question if I do have one. So I, I loved what you said at the time. And this, you know, obviously is in your research in your book about kindness, this idea of body kindness and the kind things that we can say to ourselves and to each other. And so I don't know if you can talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, when the, when you're doom scrolling and those 10 messages from all of the women's magazines and even mainstream magazines go by about like, God forbid your body change during this, like what, what can people tell themselves? Well, I'd say before you even think about what you're telling yourself, um, just stop scrolling. And why are you following women's magazines? I mean, eh, knock that shit off, right? Like, yes. um, you're, you're not going to gain health or let's admit it, any particular important bit of insight from, um, that. So first curate what you're scrolling so that you're less likely to see that kind of garbage. Um, but then when you see it, I think one of the most helpful things you can do is just say no. And I, I mean that like, not like Nancy Reagan style, which was a really old reference for any younger listeners, but um, just say, nope, and keep going. 
right? I think sometimes the tendency is like, I'm going to engage in this. I'm going to argue with it. I'm going to think about all the ways this is horrible and maybe even post something about it and rail about it. But what you've done then is just giving it an, an even bigger slice of your brain pie, right? Um, just say no, right? Whatever you want to say to yourself, be like, that shit's stupid. Keep going, right? Or say to yourself, I don't deserve that. Right? I don't deserve that. Um, and, and hide it. Um, we did a, a study in our lab a few years ago now, and it's still one of my favorites. And I should say the study was um, really prompted by one of my students who's like, why are we always researching these really sad things in our lab? Because it is true. Like my lab meetings are often like dark places to be because we love each other and we have fun. But a lot of times you're looking at this data and it's it's just devastating to look at. And she's like, can't we look at something that might be nice? And so we did this study where we had people write letters to their body. Um, Katie, you, we've talked about this one a little, right? And so they, they wrote from the perspective of an unconditionally loving friend. Like, what would that friend say to you about your body and how you're relating to it? And it's some of the most uplifting content out there. It's some of the best stuff I've ever seen. Um, and when you give people this prompt, they know how to do it. So we're out of practice thinking of our own bodies in kind ways. But if you flip your perspective to the perspective of somebody who loves you, right, and say, what would they say in this moment? Right, what would they tell you about your body and how to take care of it and what it needs and what you need? Um, I think as women, we are so used to like serving other people's needs that sometimes we get a, a little out of touch with our own um, and taking the perspective of somebody who loves you, I think can be really helpful to do that. That's so powerful, Renee. I do remember talking to you about that a few years ago and it's so interesting to me, so many parts of this, but like the fact that we all have the capability to do that is fascinating to me because I feel like we constantly get these messages that we can't, that we're just, you know, like, oh, my self-esteem is low. I have anxiety today. I have depression today. It has to do with my body, whatever it is. But like the truth is, is what you're talking about is so much deeper. And in my opinion, so much more of a high vibration of being, because it's like, you can sit down at your, you know, laptop or at your, you know, um, at your notebook and just try, just try it. Like, even mm -hmm. if like, I mean, I remember doing this after talking to you and it was so revelatory to me because it was like, holy crap. Like even, you know, even if you can't write full sentences, like I remember mm -hmm. personally, where I was going through a hard day and I tried that exercise and I just wrote a list of nice words to myself. Like this doesn't have to be, mm -hmm. you know, like a, a dissertation, like this can be like whatever you want it to be. Or it could be, if you're a songwriter, write a song. If it's a, if it's a picture, if it's a, you know, any type of thing, do an interpretive dance for yourself, like whatever it is, like there's so many ways to express love for yourself. And I just love that you did that and that you also, realize within that exercise it sounds like with your lab that people had the capacity to actually unconditionally love themselves when they turned that self-compassion to themselves versus someone else I think of it and this is, this is a very gendered way to think of it um, but I think in this culture we've talked a lot about how women are sort of trained and encouraged to take care of other people and not take care of ourselves right not think about like what we need um our, or what our desires are, what our goals are. And so in a way, harnessing your ability to care for others, like you, you already know that's there. You know how to talk to people you love because you love people. So yeah, I think just like turning that around. Um, and there's something that um, psychological research has found is pretty impactful about using a third person perspective too. Like um, instead of saying to yourself, I can get through this, I'm okay, you would do like, Katie, you're going to get through this, Ooh. you know, or like, Karen, you are good enough and you deserve to be here. Right. And there's something about hearing it that way um, that can sort of, I think, hit your brain a little differently. And I think that is part of the, the power of doing that kind of activity too, is that it, it feels like it's coming from the outside. Um, it feels like the kind of affirmation that, that we all want and that we all, I think, desperately need these days. Um, hard times out there for a lot of people. I just, I love that. And I'm going to use it so much. And, mm -hmm. you know, Wait, let's also... hear it. Let's hear it. Can no. you do... Yeah. Yeah. Come on. I mean, just like a couple, 
I feel like I already, I, I sometimes do this, but it's not to beat myself up, but it's more like, all right, Hawkins, it's time to get up. Like we just, <laughs> okay. But that's right? still, that's not a very gentle voice. I mean, that <laughs> we need, we need that voice. Like, I think we all need that voice when it's just like, get your shit together. For me, it's like grade the papers, like <laughs> shit together and grade those papers. And like, we need that voice, but that's not like the sweetest voice. No, it's not a like, hey, sweetheart, it's time to get up. It's like, Hoggins, get your ass out of bed. We got to go. Like, yeah, no, for sure. You got to get a tap into a nicer voice. I'm going to, I'm going to push around in there. You know, <laughs> this conversation reminds me. I, I had a conversation with a friend this week. Um, we, many years ago, trained in karate together and she is still training, I know. Um, so cool. She's like a multiple degree black belt. She's such a badass. And um, she was talking about the self-defense program and I took self-defense with her like a million years ago. And we were having this conversation about um, how they used to have classes for domestic violence survivors and parents and that there was this particular woman who was, like, oh, you, you want me to practice gouging somebody's eyes out? I could never, I could never do that. And the instructor was like, what if somebody was coming after your daughter? Would you gouge their eyes out? And the person was like, fuck yeah, I would. And it was just like, totally. Like, what watch your did. eyeballs, fuckers, here I come. <laughs> like, it just turned her into this self-defense machine. And that's like, I, I feel like I just love that the instructor knew to do what you're saying, which is to tap into that. Like if you're like, and, and, and followed it up with, let's turn that protective energy you have toward your child, toward yourself. Yeah. Think your about kid, like, if, if you're a parent and you have, let's say like a, a young teenage daughter and you see her scrolling on social media and you see her come across some, like lose 10 pounds in two weeks with, um, idiot celebrity magic cleanse right? Like, and you see that, I, I hope you'd be angry, right? I hope you would be doing the nope, right? And that you would immediately think like, she deserves such better messages than that. Um, but I think that we forget that for ourselves, right? We encounter those messages and a little part of us might be thinking that sounds dumb. And then another part of us is thinking, but may maybe it would work. <laughs> just No, just, just say no. I love the example of the teenage daughter because, and Karen, I love your example as well, because it's like, I'm not a parent, but if I were, were I, I get it. Like, I get that, like, I would just do anything to make sure that my child was mentally, physically healthy. One question I have, Renee, is about how to interact with others. So for example, like using back in the example where my friend said over text that she, you know, lost 15 pounds. One of the things that I remember from my work with body acceptance when I was writing the column for Rebellious was I kind of happened upon, finally at the end where I you know, kind of ended the column, I happened upon um, this revelation essentially where I decided that I would just not engage in body shaming conversation with anyone anymore, like full stop, not engage. Meaning that I would basically just change the subject. And it was, I did it in practice and it was pretty awkward. Like it was because it was so normalized with so many of my friends and family, especially women, but sometimes even men where like, if they were talking about like, oh, I was bad today. I had a brownie or whatever it is. I would just, I wouldn't shame them for saying that. I would basically just alter the conversation and like start something new, which was pretty abrupt at times. Mm -hmm. But I guess for people listening who are thinking like, uh, I don't know, like, how do I do that? Like when this type of conversation is so normalized and not necessarily, it's not like our listeners are getting like shit, hopefully not like mm -hmm. shamed by their people. Maybe they are. Um, but it's just like, how do you not talk or like, how do you interact when people kind of engage in those conversations that are so incredibly insidious and common, it seems. Yeah. I mean, interpersonal interactions are, are so complex and now I know that's not what you're asking, but I feel like a lot of times when I give talks on this topic or whatever, I'll hear people say like, well, what are the rules, right? What are the rules? Yeah. And my answer is always like, you have to take context into account. Um, and if I know someone really well and I have trust like in our relationship and the fact that we love each other and they start that, um, I'm not kidding. I'll just be like, no body shaming <laughs> and just like be weird about it. And they'll look at me and be like, okay. And then we just change 
the subject, right? And I've sufficiently trained a number of people just to like some, I have friends now who actually stop mid-sentence and be like, oh yeah, that's not gonna, that's yeah, okay. Um, and, and so like, if it's a good friend, you can react differently, of course. I think if sometimes with close family members, you need a conversation first to, to set up what's gonna happen where you say, I'm trying to do things a little differently. Like I wanted to let you know that um, I'm trying to spend less energy thinking about my body and how it looks. And so one of the things I'm gonna really try to do is not talk about appearance, not talk about diets and weight loss. Um, and so I just wanna let you know that if it comes up, I will, I'll probably like try to change the conversation because this is what I think is like healthy for me now. Um, and that way you're putting it all on you. So it's not very judgy um, and you're kind of rallying them to your side, right? Like Ooh, maybe you can that. help me do this. What do you do in the actual moment though? Like if it's not a super close friend and you get this text, um, I agree that just changing the topic can be abrupt. And I am also, I don't, I don't want to be judgy of anyone who's doing body talk because we all live in this culture, right? Like how can there's, there's, there's no room to judge people who are affected by the culture they live in. That's, that's just how the world works. But um, I think what you might be missing is one little piece where you just say, um, I'm really glad you're happy. Hey, how's your family doing? Right, where, where you give some acknowledgement that like, I've heard you, but now we're not gonna do this anymore, mm-hmm. right? Or I'm not gonna do it. Or if you have someone who's like, oh my gosh, I'm on this new diet and I'm doing all these great things. You, and you just say like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it sounds like things are going well. Have I told you about blah, 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 you know? <laughs> like, just do like acknowledge the emotional content of what they're saying and then do a redirect. Um, I gotta say, it's way more boring than I think a lot of people realize um, to hear people talk about their diets. <laughs> yes. I did this really embarrassing thing once. This is when I was had my awkward moment on this. It was many years ago. I was giving a talk at the Women in the World conference. And it was like so kind of like some famous people and stuff. And I was like pretty excited. Like there were women like, you know, from the UN and like Hillary Clinton was there. Like there were, there was like, these, like all these big shots and me. Right. And um, so they loaded us on these buses to all go to this dinner together. Don't, none of the, like the Uber famous people were on my bus. We were clearly in ranked buses, um, <laughs> I think, but um, still these were like really interesting women to me. And I was like, so excited to talk to them. And immediately the conversation on the bus turned to what everyone was wearing um, at this dinner. And I did a mega awkward, like, hey, don't we have better things to talk about than our clothes? And it was like, I'm blushing now just thinking about it. It was so bad. I mean, I didn't know any of these women. And everyone just kind of looked at me like I was just the biggest buzzkill ever because like they were having fun talking about their clothes, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. It it wasn't even like they they weren't doing body shaming or anything. They were just talking about their dresses. And I handled it so badly, like- so badly. And I, th- I think about that moment a lot. Um, it's cataloged in my list of embarrassing moments and it's a big, big, big file cabinet. And <laughs> I, you know, I think like, what would I have done differently? And I think I just would have waited for a break in conversation and then asked people questions. Um, yeah. And a lot of times that's the most powerful way to redirect. Um, my biggest concern about all these body conversations beyond the fact that they're often shaming, even when they don't mean to be, is that they're just taking up room, right? Like, I want to hear the good stuff. I want to hear the interesting stuff. Like you're doing a podcast. You like asking people questions. So you get this, right? I don't want to waste time talking about what you're wearing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I want to know how you ended work, ended up working at the UN. Oh, right. Well, and I, why did you get You know, I, I appreciate you saying that also too, because I feel like it's hard to, it's, it's hard to talk about like moments like that. Like, I feel like we don't have enough opportunities as a culture to talk about our embarrassing moments. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like in our intro, we're going to talk about all of the absolutely fucking badass, amazing things that you've done in your career and how much we admire you and all of these things. And I appreciate that. I won't be there for that. (laughs) We're not going to make you sit through that. You should know though, it will be happening. But I appreciate that like people are going to hear all these things and be like, damn, 
this woman's out here doing all these things. And you're like, yeah, no, I was on a bus one time with these people from the UN. I get asked all the time, like, oh, how did you win your journey with body acceptance so that you don't worry about how you look anymore? And I usually respond with this, like, snort like noise that I can I hope that came through really well on my microphone that snort how how was the Same. snort perfect it was good um yeah so we could do I a mean, couple more takes of it if you want to yeah. make yeah, sure I could, like perfect. just really really work on it um I'm not above any of this like the idea that somehow if you if you study a problem that it's a problem you've solved for yourself mm. um I think of course that's not true right of course that's not true Totally. And also the fact that you have a file cabinet worth of embarrassing stories. I mean, that is just so real. And I so appreciate you being honest about that. I think I got a big blush response too. So your, your <laughs> listeners cannot see this, but you can on Zoom. I blush just thinking about embarrassing things. So oh, you can, like, you can so with see you. the heat rising in my face because now I'm thinking about the file cabinet. <laughs> uh, okay. So one other thing I wanted to ask you in terms of like interpersonal communication. So one of the things, like, there's someone in my life, um, I'll just give it as a personal example, who has gone through a very significant change in her life and visibly has lost a lot of weight. And it has been something that she's challenged with, or she's been challenged with for a long time, and she seems really happy. Do I say anything? And I, I saying that, and then cringing in the inside, thinking like, "Oh, of course I don't," because all I hear Renee is like, "You never talk about someone else's body ever, never, ever. You never." And I think in my personal experience, I've had people close to me in my life at different points of my life, like when I was. It doesn't actually matter the context, but I have lost a lot of weight, and they've said, "Hey, you look so good." And final one day, one day with one person in my life, I had to say like, can you please never say that again? Because even though I know that you mean well, you don't say that every time I see you and I don't see you often enough for me. I'm tracking like, you know, it means that I've lost mm -hmm. weight. And so I guess my real question is like, do you ever mention someone's body period? And what are the thoughts that people should remember around that concept? Oh man, I don't, I, to me, that's right up there with asking someone if they're pregnant, right? You, you, you just don't do it because you don't know what someone's issues are around weight, right? First of all, that's the, the biggest reason. You don't know why they've lost weight. Um, you don't know if they wanted to lose weight. You don't know if they want to be talking about it. It might be really personal. It might bring up a lot of things for them. You don't know if they have an eating disorder, but also if people lose weight and you compliment them, you're insulting old them. And given what we know about the complete failure of diets to work long-term, there's a really good shot you're insulting future them too. Oof. So if you say you look good now, um, what are they going to think when they gain the weight back? Because this is the, the hard, ugly truth that we don't want to admit is that long-term you're looking at like 96% of people who lose weight on a diet are going to gain it back and usually more. I'm um, sorry. This is there. All of your, all of your listeners were just like, I'm done with this podcast, but it's, Thanks, it's this really robust scientific finding that nobody wants to, to talk about. Right. They, they just don't. Um, so that's, that's what I worry about. Now you said you have a friend and she just seems really good, right? Like you, it seems like she's doing well. Yeah. There's why not say you look really happy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or why not say like, how have you been feeling? Mm -hmm. um, or what's going on in your life? You know, let other people define their successes for you mm -hmm. instead of you sort of defining like, oh, you've lost weight. That's probably good. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't do it. Um, I don't want to say there's no exceptions, right? Um, people have all kinds of different things going on around weight and their bodies, but I'm just thinking you better know them really, really well. Um, if you're going to open up your mouth about somebody else's weight. Um, also just cause someone lost weight doesn't mean you need to talk about it. You still got other things to talk about. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's hard cause it stares you in the face, right? And you want to say it. I try not to comment on how my students look, but every once in a while, someone will do something really cool and weird with their hair, like, like really noticeably different. And it's a flat out struggle. Like sometimes I'll end up with this weird look on my face as I try to keep the comment in my mouth because I want to be like cool hair. 
like cool hair. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying cool hair to someone like, let me just, but I do think there's something wrong with your professor saying it Mm. because my students don't need to think I'm thinking about how they look, Mm. even when they have cool hair, even when they do a big blue streak that I find quite appealing. I still don't need to say it. It's, it's a good practice. Say, ask a question. That's my go-to. If I feel like appearance commentary is about to come out of my mouth, I ask a question. People love to be asked questions. I mean, that's the only reason I'm here. Let's be honest. <laughs> Just so you can ask me questions and I'll be like, I'm still human. <laughs> right? Still human. Yes. So I am going to flip a little bit because um, I wonder what messages you have for those of us who not just during the pandemic, but just in general in life, our bodies change and our clothes don't fit anymore. Like I feel like the meanest things I ever say to myself are when I try to get into something and that shit does not fit. Yeah. So what, how can I turn off? How can I sweeten that, that voice? That's like saying super mean things to me. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to be naive either. Like this sucks. Everyone knows it sucks. In part, it can suck because you really liked those clothes. And for some people it sucks because they might not have the resources to buy new clothes. Um, We did a study in my lab recently about um, basically we called it PDR clothing, Um, painful, restricting, and distracting. So clothes that like hurt, clothes that make it hard for you to move or clothes that are always like you have to fuss with them a lot so they distract you. And we were looking at like how often women wear that type of clothing versus men. Um, And as you might guess, there's a pretty big difference there. But we asked an open-ended question about, um, you know, for people who said they wore that kind of clothing, we said, why? Because we just wanted to know. And we were so in our own little bubble that it didn't even occur to us that a lot of people were wearing clothing that was like painful or restricting um, because they couldn't afford new clothes and they'd gained weight. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, you know, so there, there are practical issues involved too when your clothes don't fit and you put them on. Um, so I think one of the things you can say to yourself is bodies change, um, bodies change, bodies change, bodies change. It's, it's what they do. Like it's, it's just the normal cycle of things that bodies will change, but it's hard to remember that when a lot of the media we're faced with as, um, am I allowed to call us middle-aged or is Katie too young? I'm totally cool. I'll be 40 in six months. (laughs) We're good. Um, Yeah, I'm so so in, in my line of work, they use a term, they don't say middle age, they say mid career. Ooh, nice. Like okay. you're mid career. Sure. And I'm always like, wait, what? Mid? <laughs> like, am I on still the uphill part or the downhill part? Oh, or am I right? Confusing. Like I, I'm not sure what it means, but um it, you know, the, the idea is you're not supposed to be middle-aged, right? Yeah. You're supposed to stay looking like you're 25 as long as humanly possible and then just disappear and never be seen again. <laughs> right. And unless you want to like be a sweet old granny and then like, maybe that's cool. But with that whole middle area there, we don't want to see you. No. Right. We don't want to see you if, if you don't, you know, look like um, the, the cover of a teen magazine anymore. And so you better start like getting some fillers and some, you know, Botox and some plastic surgery, and you better color your gray and you better not let the shape of your body change. Despite the fact that that's what menopause does. I mean, it's also what aging does in general. It doesn't matter, um, if you're female or not, right. Um, it's what aging does, but we need to get over this idea that, that we're going to be fixed, right? We're so interested in personal growth in this country. Like we talk all the time about who are we becoming and who do we want to be? And, and we want to change, but we want our bodies to look like they did in high school. Yeah. I actually look like that. I so resonate with what you're saying, Renee, because when you were describing how like we need to look like we're 25 or on the cover of a teen magazine, that is so much reflected in media. Like if you look Mm -hmm. at women who become, let's say famous actresses, for example, and you see them in tons and tons of movies until they're like 32, basically, Mm -hmm. maybe 35 if they're lucky, or maybe they're Jennifer Aniston's one that like, I don't know, maybe she's 50, but whatever. Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, like, Right. right. But then there's a gap usually. I mean, there's, this is changing, I feel like, you know, slowly, but 
there's a gap. And the thing is, is even with the, like the Reese Witherspoons, the Nicole Kidman's, the, um, the Jennifer Aniston's, those are like outliers. Like those people have chefs who have chefs and they also have mm-hmm. like 65, you know, um, personal trainers and all this shit. It's so un, it's so like not um, realistic for the majority mm-hmm. of people who have normal incomes. And then it's like, so we see the people who are really young. Then there's the outlier, Nicole Kidman's. And then there's Judy Dench and there's right. Helen Mirren. And like, we're all, we love them. And we're like, oh yeah, we mm-hmm. totally embrace their bodies, but they're also over most likely over the age of 70, potentially even 80. And so mm-hmm. like that middle, the mid career is mm-hmm. like this part that like, I mean, I get a lot of text messages right now. And for the record, I don't have any, um, I'm not throwing shade on anyone who decides they want plastic surgery, whatever they want is fine. But like a lot of my girlfriends right now, currently, like in the past week have told me that they want Botox, they want all of these different things. And it's just, it's like, okay, well, this is just a commentary on society. Like we're in this middle mm-hmm. career time. It's, it, it, but there's no uh, representation, yeah. it seems in the media for this. Like if I had representation of someone who was like in their forties, in their fifties, who was just like rocking it and not necessarily like a Jennifer Anderson lookalike, it would be helpful to see that representation. I think I've been, um, as many people like binging random shows during the pandemic. And one of the things I've noticed is uh, British media mm. has a, what a much wider array of people. I'm just going to say people. Like they look more like real people. They don't all look like supermodels. Um, and the fact that I notice it so much, like every episode I'd be like, oh, you wouldn't see that person on American television. You wouldn't see that person on American television. Like it, it tells me how much we've gotten used to it. Um, and I think like, yeah, of course your friends are talking about getting plastic surgery because it's fucking terrifying right? To be told like, you're no longer valuable to this culture. Um, If you don't look young anymore, you're just going to disappear. The the term for that is a symbolic annihilation, which just kind of gets you, right? Um, I've been really struggling during the pandemic with this. Um, Okay. I'm telling everyone not to talk about how they look, but I'm going to talk about how I look real quick because um, Zoom and the lighting where I am does something where it's taken like 15 years off my appearance. I don't, I'm not asking for you to come on that, but like, it really, like I, um, I, I have wrinkles. And when I look at my face on Zoom, I don't like, I just, I can't even see them. I don't know. Can you see them? Like maybe a little bit of this. And it seems to like get rid of like some of my age spots. Like it's oh, just, it's making no. me look young. Um, <laughs> I, I would like all your listeners to know that I can see Karen's cat and it's adorable. Um, and that, since we're talking about mental health, is awesome for my mental health to see people's <laughs> cats on Zoom. So, um, wow. But anyway, yeah, I'm really struggling with the fact that Zoom is making me look young um, because every once in a while I'll see my real face in the mirror and be like, holy shit, <laughs> like what happened there? Like, I, I didn't know I looked like this. And so I'm constantly trying to correct people. Like when I do interviews with people who don't know me, um, my students will tell you this. I try to reference my age a lot, um, not just to facilitate conversations about um, the merits of skinny jeans, but because I think it's, it's really important as women in that mid phase that we not treat our age as something to be embarrassed of. Um, that I, I think we got to like own that shit. So I take every opportunity I can to be like, well, I'm 45 and blah, 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 blah. Um, but a lot of times I'll go, people be like, you don't look 45. And then it makes this weird thing where I'll be like, yeah, that's Zoom, right? That's this weird, like, it's, I think it's smoothing out the image or something like that. I'm like, this is not what I look like. And then I'm trying to convince people that I look older. And that's super weird. But yeah, getting older is scary. I mean, you have to deal with the whole mortality thing. Um, and nobody likes reminders of their own mortality. But then on top of that, you have to live in a culture that says you're not worth anything once your appearance changes. Um, And I should be clear when I say that, that many people, when they're young, have an appearance, you know, that results in their culture saying that they're not worth anything. Um, So in some ways, it's a mark of privilege that you feel the loss of that, that beauty as you age or that power, right? Because it means you had it to begin with, um, whereas a lot of people never got it. And they're saying right now, shut up, you three privileged idiots, right? That's, that's what they're saying as they listen to this. I, we really do encourage people 
to respond that way to our podcasts in general. Like, I feel like we have a lot of disclaimers and caveats on our episodes where we're like, we know it's a luxury to be bored, people. We get it. Like, I, I feel like maybe that should be a button that people can pr- press like, oh, privileged idiot button. Like, yeah. yes. Yeah. Ping. Yeah. I, you know, I love this discussion of representation because I also tell people that I'm 45 all the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like it's, it's common of women as we age, but, and maybe that's just true. And Gen X just, we just have a chip on our shoulder just in general, but I feel like we're so invisible Mm -hmm. and I am increasingly obsessed with telling people how old I am and pointing out that they don't see a lot of people who look like me doing things out in the world. Like Mm -hmm. I just on another podcast had this conversation around like the lack of black queer rom-coms. Mm-hmm. Like why, like all, and I listed all of my favorite lesbian movies and they were all from the nineties and mm-hmm. it was horrifying. Like, why have we just stopped telling these stories? So like, I'm, I'm totally with you on the, I'm 45. I'm going to yeah. tell you what that's about. I say, I try, I will say, I try to like work it in a way that like feels sort of natural. Um, like when I'm teaching some student will use an example and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I don't know that example. I'm 45, you know, like I try to just like, and I try to get it in like multiple times a class. Um, I, when I was teaching this week, we were talking about happiness and sort of variables that do and do not predict happiness. And I was having students kind of guess like, well, what do you think about this variable? What do you think about that one? And when you ask them about age, they're immediately like, oh yeah, like it's misery. Like you get, uh, you get unhappy as you age. And I was like, what a failure of imagination, my friends, right? Like you just are living in this youth obsessed culture and you just truly cannot even imagine that you might have a life worth living when you're past 30. That's a weird way to grow up. Like that's a weird way to grow up to think that like this is all there is. And so that's another reason I say my age because I, I, I think we need to see more richness there. Like that there's all kinds of experiences people are having at this age. Um, mine is not representative at all. Um, like not at all. For one, I don't have kids. Like I'm a 45 year old woman with no kids and that's interesting for them too. And I, I want to be that kind of interesting because maybe there's some young women in my class that might think like, oh, is that an option? Like, can you be okay? Can you, can you be okay if you, if you like go down that road? And um, so I don't know. To the extent that I'm okay, the answer is yes. That's amazing. I love that you say, I love that both of you say your age frequently because I find that I do the same. Like I, I really do. And I, it doesn't scare me. And I think I get like, you know, I, the whole concept of turning 40, I'm like, bring it on. I can't wait for my forties. Like I'm really genuinely excited. Um, but I don't think that's the normal narrative. Yeah, I don't think it is. Um, and it's not like, it's not like I'm all in on aging. Like I'm a human being. Um, I have, if you, what is 45? Like I have arthritis in my feet. Like, so for me, that's what 45 is like, is if I go on like too long of a walk or run, I limp in this like zombie way that looks really stupid. And so like, no, that's not fun. So like, I'm not going to say like, Hey, everything about aging is awesome. But I will tell you, there are some awesome things like the way I will go out in public compared to what I would have done 10 years ago like without a second thought, like, I don't care. Like, yeah. Are you going out like that? Yep. <laughs> right. That's, that's the answer. Years ago, I had, um, he's a very dear friend who worked in my department. Um, and there's, I, I might've even like told the story in my book. I don't remember. I still have them. They're these cargo pants from like approximately 1990 or something and they're just they're huge and they're worn out and I love them and they're soft and they're low rise and they're just like everything I need them to be and they're not like all those fake skinny cargo pants that are out now and I'm really lucky that I don't have to dress up for work well at all right now but even when we were in person I also didn't really have to and I came to work one day and this friend looked at me and he goes you did not wear those pants to work um, and now he, he can get away with it, right? He's got kind of like that attitude. Um, 
And I think about that moment all the time. Cause to me, like hitting my forties was all about, yes, I did. Like, yes, I did wear these pants to work. And like, I'm going to keep wearing these pants to work. And every time I do, I'm going to be like, look at my pants, David. Now you all have his name. Now he's my friend. So I can do this. I didn't give his last name. At least that was, um, that's the height of restraint for me. I mean, we've got a lot of journalists who listen to this show. So they're just going to be like, oh, Renee, Northwestern University Department, David. Who's David? Mm. Who's David? What did he say about her pants? Spinoff podcast. Who is David? (laughs) Oh, I said I would try not to get you off track. And I feel like I'm a liar. No, I feel like pants and body. We got back to pants. That's what I did. Right. Which is actually perfect because like, this is, oh my gosh, this was all, this was all divinely orchestrated. (laughs) I think that's the answer, right? Also, the answer is don't play this in the UK because you're going to think we're talking about underwear the whole time. Oh, right. No, we're talking about like pants. About pants. pants. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Renee, I want to respect your time. And just for to like wrap up, I want to ask, you know, I love the idea of just saying no, when you're scrolling, I love the idea of curating who you're, you know, watching and listening to and consuming and all of that. Um, but is there any other advice that you would offer for people who are really feeling disconnected to their bodies right now? Mm. So like, People, maybe they haven't, you know, been able to groom themselves like they normally do because their salons aren't open or they don't feel comfortable going to salons that are open or, you know, that kind of thing. Just anything that they're not feeling connected to their bodies in the normal ways that they used to. Is there any advice around that? Such an interesting question. I was just talking to my partner like yesterday about how this whole, all the isolation of the pandemic has just made me feel like, like I'm not really here, right? Like this is like a, it's a fake year fake living and like, wake me up when I can like be present again. And, and that'll, that'll be nice. Um, I think a lot of people are, are feeling that way. I don't know that I have a great answer, right? Because to some extent, it's about what works for you. So for some people, that might be um, exercise, or it might be yoga or, or meditation. But I think it's also pretty powerful just to say, yep, things are weird. Like, I might just yeah. feel a little weird for a while and, and that's okay. And, and how soon is that going to end? And when am I going to feel better? I don't know. I, I guess we'll find out. Right. So just being sort of open to the ride, but I would also say that I think we, we tend to think of this as a solo endeavor. Like if you're, if you're feeling bad about your body, if you're disconnected from your body, what can you do? Um, I, I think it's just a sign of, of being disconnected more generally. And I think what can you do is, do this thing I recommend for young people all the time, but really for all of us is to make a list of what's important to you. Um, Not like a long list, like, I don't know, five things, maybe like what matters to you? What is it that's important to you? Um, And then do one of those things, right? (laughs) Like if family is what's important to you and you're feeling disconnected in your body, then quit thinking about your body and go try to connect with a family member Mm -hmm. um, in whatever way you can. Um, If, if there's a certain cause that's important to you and you're feeling down about your body, go do something to help with that cause. I think often we think that the answer to negative self thoughts is more thinking about the self and quite frequently it's, it's not right. Quite frequently, like the way to break out of that rumination loop um, is to turn your focus outward, right. To really like um, do something else, do something engaging, do something that you care about, um, and that's, that's not cheating. That's living. We just forgot what it felt like. I think, um, there's a lot of ways to do that. We talked about letters at the, at the beginning today. Um, and I'm a a big fan of that. Like write a letter to someone you love. Thank you so much, Renee. Renee. So good to see you. I think I've answered approximately 10% of your question. Oh my gosh. I feel (laughs) like we could we could talk to you for like six more hours. Seriously. It's like, been really therapeutic it. for me. So like, Aww. I don't, I don't know if it's going to do your listeners any good, but like, <laughs> I gotta tell you, this is the most fun I've had in, in quite some time. Oh, I'm so glad. It's so oh, much fun to talk to you. How can people oh find you Renee, if they want to follow you or follow your work? Let's see on Instagram. I am at beauty underscore sick because guess what beauty sick is. Mm-hmm. 
it's an eyelash extension <gasps> store. Oh I know. God. That was really unfortunate. So, so be careful when you type that mm. um, beauty underscore sick. Um, you can also find out more about my labs research at bodyandmedia.com. Um, or you can find out about my book at beautysick.com. And that's about it. I don't do Twitter. Mm, don't good for you. do it. Or TikTok. Oh. Am or I supposed to do TikTok now? I see a lot of Gen Xers on TikTok, but they're all just like, like there's a tag for, they're like a series of tags for Gen X. Like that's how. And is the tag cringe or is there like some? <laughs> like, I mean, it's Gen X, TikTok, TikTok. I don't even, I don't know. Oh, I don't want to dance mm. on social media. <laughs> I don't. Fair. <laughs> Can that be, you know how some podcasts do like an opening quote, like, like a mm. teaser, like what's coming up on this podcast? <laughs> Can yours be just me saying, I don't want to dance <laughs> on social media. That is, thank you yes. for doing our work for us. Yes. Yeah. You're <laughs> welcome. Done. Done. Oh my gosh. This is so much fun. Thank you, Renee. Thank, Thank you. you for talking to us. I hope so this fun. helped so many people. I'm sure it did. Um, but yes, hopefully we can get you on again someday. Hopefully I can see you in person someday. Right? Imagine. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. got big plans. I'm going to start drinking when the pandemic's over. Yes. There you go. Yeah. I got some fun to catch up. <laughs> I hear that. We, yes. I will sign up for that. Yes, please. Subscribe. Yes. yes. All right. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you so much, Renee. Bye. 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 Bye.